This is God speaking to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. You are the one I've called to lead. Be strong and courageous. Remember your training. Obey all the instructions Moses, your mentor, gave you. Be strong and courageous. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This is my command, Joshua. Be strong and courageous. For your God is with you wherever you go. You may have noticed the repetition of one phrase in that passage. Be strong and courageous. This is the essence of the warrior journey that we're going to talk about today. Be strong. Be courageous. Find your inner strength. Find the courage to face your fears. That's the gift of the warrior journey. We've talked about the orphan journey, the wanderer journey. Today we're going to talk about the warrior journey. And the gift of the warrior journey is finding courage, finding our inner strength. To know in your heart that you can do this. You've got this. The plot of the warrior journey story is how I accomplished my goals. How I stood up for myself. How I defeated my enemies. How I slayed my dragon. How I proved myself. What do you think of that phrase, proved myself? Do we need to prove ourselves? Well, once again, the paradox of the Christian spiritual and faith journey arises. As Christians, we do not find our worth or our value in what we do, what we accomplish. We find our worth and our value in who we are, right? In who we are in Christ, who we are as God's children. That's one side of the paradox. Absolutely true, but there's another side of the paradox. The other side is this. We do need to prove ourselves to ourselves in order to move towards healing and wholeness, especially in certain areas of our lives. I remember a couple of weeks ago I talked about the need for both soul work and psychological work in our spiritual journey towards healing and wholeness. Well, soul work is about discovering our true self, our true worth, who we are, made in the image of God. And that's absolutely essential, this soul work, to our well-being and our movement towards an integrated life. But the psychological work is also necessary, and a part of that psychological work is to integrate this warrior energy, to prove yourself to yourself. That's part of what it means to develop a healthy, functional ego. And the reason that is important is because the ultimate goal of the spiritual maturity journey is to transcend your ego. But in order to do that, you must first develop a healthy, functional ego, or your fallen ego is going to wreak all kinds of havoc in your life and your spiritual journey. So a part of this journey towards healing and wholeness is proving ourselves to ourselves. It's not important to prove it to the world or to God. God doesn't need you to prove anything, but you need to prove something to yourself. And when we try to prevent people from taking that journey, we actually rob them of being able to experience healing and wholeness in their lives. I mean, those with little kids, you know when they enter that stage, they they don't want your help. 
I can do this on my own. It's important to let them. That's part of the warrior journey. I've got this. I can do this. Absolutely critical we experience that in our lives for a healthy sense of self. When we talk about the inner warrior, some of you may be thinking, if I activate my inner warrior, what are you talking about? This, this like violent part of my psyche I'm unleashing to the world? It's much more subtle and nuanced than that. I mean, if you're the kind of person who finds satisfaction in writing a to-do list and then checking off each box as you do it, that's your warrior, inner warrior, celebrating that not only can, I can do this, but I did do this. It's your inner warrior that celebrates accomplishments, getting things done, feeling that inner strength that, yes, I can do this. The inner warrior is not something to be feared. It's, it's something that we all need to be healthy, integrated human beings. When we integrate our warrior energy, we learn how to take responsibility for our lives and to create our own life script. Last week, we talked about the wanderer journey and And a major part of the wanderer journey is to escape from all the life scripts that other people and our culture and other groups have given to us. To just escape from that and to discover our true north, what it is we really want in life. But it's the warrior journey where we start writing our own life script. And as Christians, we co-create that life script with the Holy Spirit. At least that's my belief. When we integrate our warrior energy, we learn how to protect our boundaries against abuse, against neglect, against being undervalued, taken for granted, or being taken advantage of. Absolutely critical that we develop that inner warrior. When we integrate our warrior energy, we learn how to focus, set goals, and design a plan, a strategic plan, to really get what we truly want in life, to fulfill our true heart's desires. Remember, the wanderer journey is about getting out there and discovering what is it that I really want in life. Not what my parents and friends and culture and church and everyone else is telling me that I want. What is it that my soul truly wants? What are my true heart's desires? Well, it's great to discover what you truly desire in life, but you need your warrior to actually develop the focus and the skills that you will need and the drive that you will need to actually go get what you want in life to actually fulfill your true heart's desires. The warrior sounds great by this point, I'm sure, and I don't want to undermine the devastation and destruction that the warrior energy can and has inflicted upon humanity and our planet for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. I mean, today is is an interesting day for for Christians, especially for Anabaptist Christians. It's Remembrance Day. And a part of what we remember is the bravery and the sacrifice that people made in service of a cause that was bigger than them. But at the same time, we remember the horrors of war. We remember the terrible and and devastating impact that war and the warrior energy has afflicted upon humanity and upon creation for as long as humanity has existed. To remember is to work for peace. So today is an an interesting day with, with all sorts of conflicting emotions on what it is we're remembering. 
But if we bring it to a personal level and a psychological level, which is what the intent of this message series is, it's really about evaluating the warrior energy in our own lives and in our own beings. And it is important to be aware of the potential dangers and the potential pitfalls of the warrior energy in our own lives. When our warrior energy is activated, here's some of the things that can happen. We can step on others to get what we want. We can be insensitive to other people in the journeys they may be on. We can develop a stop crying, you baby, and get over it attitude. You ever met anyone like that? That's a warrior. We can value people, including ourselves, based on levels of success. We can become a workaholic or a strivaholic. We can resort to abusing power or even using violence to get what we want. We can be arrogant and belligerent. These are just some. These are some of the major dangers of an activated warrior energy that we have not integrated into our lives in a healthy way. How do we guard against these negative, I guess you could call it the dark side of the warrior energy? Well, the primary way is to make sure that we take these other five journeys that we're talking about in this message series and to integrate the gifts that all the other journeys offer us. I've said it's, not, it's important not to identify with your inner orphan or your inner wanderer, and it's important not to identify with your inner warrior. This is, we're not seeking a warrior life. We're seeking an integrated life. Now, that includes the warrior energy, but it includes all the other five journeys as well. But there's something more specific that we can do when we are on the warrior journey itself. And that's this. The warrior needs a warrior code. Your inner warrior longs for a warrior code. You know, the knights in the medieval times. Let's, let's use um, the knights of the round table, the knights of Camelot. They had a warrior code, a code of honor, a code of chivalry. And they committed to rescue anyone in distress. They committed to only fight other warriors they respected, unless, of course, they were saving someone. They committed to fight fair, including never harming an unarmed opponent. They committed to show mercy to anyone who asked for it, including enemies. They committed to treating all women with respect and honor. They committed to never fight for personal gain, only for God and country. They committed to revere God and serve the church. With a noble code to guide your inner warrior, your warrior energy is directed towards nobility and virtue and inner discipline. The noble warrior journey is about claiming one's power and using it for the greater good. A noble warrior understands that it's shameful to let yourself or anyone else be disrespected or mistreated, especially someone who is weak or defenseless. And that includes how we treat ourselves. You need your inner warrior to learn how to treat yourself with respect. One of the ways that our inner warrior helps us fulfill our true heart's desires is it gives us the inner strength to say no to temptation. To resist 
all the distractions, the superficial distractions of life that are trying to lure us away from actually fulfilling what it is we truly desire. It's our inner warrior that gives us the strength and courage to say no to cheating, to laziness, to gluttony, to greed, to lust, wrath, pride, and envy. The warrior holds the boundaries against the more unhealthy aspects of our sensory desires. How necessary is that? So the inner warrior is about claiming our power, but it's about using it for the greater good. Now, if we look at the orphan in relation to power, the orphan is a victim. The the orphan is powerless. So the orphan's always looking for a rescuer, someone with power to come and save them. There's an interesting relationship between inner orphans and inner warriors. See, once our inner warrior has claimed power for the greater good, our inner warrior is actually able to have a conversation with our inner orphan and say, hey, you don't need to go looking out there for someone to save you. I can take care of you. I can help you. It's an interesting reconciliation that happens within our own psyches when we have a developed inner warrior. Now, the inner wanderer, they see themselves as outsiders. That means they have no power in the group, in the tribe, in the church, in the workplace, in the family, whatever it is. And by conceding their power, they concede their responsibility. Well, I don't have any say in what goes on over there, so I, I'm not re- going to be held responsible for it. Our inner warrior learns, I'm responsible for what happens here, wherever here is. Our inner warrior realizes, I do have power, I do have authority. And in order to be a noble warrior, I need to use my power for what is just, what is good, for what I believe in. The ultimate goal of the warrior journey is to serve the greater good. And remember, I I talked about greatness last Sunday. The inner wanderer discovers greatness is how our uniqueness blesses others. How my unique gifts, how my unique personality, how that becomes a blessing to others. And the warrior uses their power and claims their greatness by using that power for the greater good, to bless others. Well, there are at least three levels of warrior energy. And the most primal, the most base level of warrior energy is just raw fear. When there's a perceived threat, I fear it and I try to eliminate it. That's the base warrior mentality. If there's an enemy, I fear the enemy, I try to slay them. Literally. What I find curious, intriguing, and deeply disturbing is it it seems that many nation states, at least their leaders, are reverting back to this base level of warrior consciousness. All over the world. It's not just that one country that you're probably thinking of. It seems to be happening all over the world, and I, I, I find that disturbing but intriguing. My hope and prayer is that, I mean, often we need to take one step backwards before we take two steps forward, and I'm hoping that's what it is. That's level one, warrior consciousness. Uh, most people that I know, most, most people you know, have, have, made, have made the first warrior journey to get to a level two warrior consciousness. And... It's still based in fear. We see something or someone that could be a threat, and we want to eliminate the threat, but we don't do it by 
eliminating the source of the threat, we try to convert the source of the threat. We try to assimilate the source of the threat. If there's a person or a group over there who, who holds beliefs or a lifestyle that, that I perceive to be a threat to my way of life and the, and the freedom and safety and security of my people, then what I will try to do is eliminate that threat by getting that person to be like me, to be like us, so that they believe what I believe, that they have a lifestyle that is the same as my lifestyle. It's based on assimilation. Level three, warrior consciousness, is different. It's not based on fear. It's actually based on curiosity, healthy, wise curiosity. When a high-level warrior perceives something that could be a threat, they become curious, and they want to understand. Because a high-level warrior knows that nine times out of ten, that which we perceive to be a threat is not a real threat. (laughs) I mean, how many, not only wars and battles, but how many interpersonal fights do we have that are over nothing that was real? Most of them. I mean, the things that we worry about, most of the time it's, it's nothing that ever materializes. The high-level warrior knows that there's a good chance that what, what could be perceived as a threat isn't actually a threat at all. So the first line of action for the high-level warrior is, I want to understand. I want to understand. And then build a bridge. Build a bridge. Now, when you think of bridges, there's two different islands, perhaps, have that visual, two different islands. The high-level warrior isn't trying to eliminate the boundary between those islands and just bring those islands together. This isn't assimilation. This is literally building a little bridge. We're not just throwing open our island to this other island. And we're certainly not compromising our own beliefs, our own principles, our own convictions, our own values so that we can make peace with this other island. Sometimes the altruists, the martyr, which we're going to be talking about in a couple weeks, sometimes they will sacrifice parts of themselves in order to make peace with others. They will compromise on some of their convictions and principles and values in order to make the other feel safe, feel okay. High-level warrior will have none of that. The warrior wholeheartedly embraces their beliefs, their convictions, their principles, their values. And they have the courage to share those beliefs, principles, and values with others, even if they might be perceived as a threat to those other people. You see, in order to build a bridge, I can't just try and understand where the other is coming from. I need the other to understand where I'm coming from. That's how we build bridges. And that takes courage to have those kinds of conversations where we truly are not trying to convert, where we are truly trying to understand the other. Part of the psychological shift that happens between second-level warrior consciousness and higher-level warrior consciousness is high-level warrior is no longer competing with others. He or she is competing with him or herself. And that competition is based on this. I want to do my best. No matter what the situation is, I want to do my best. And when a high-level warrior encounters someone or some group that could be a potential threat, doing my best is to truly understand why they believe what they believe or, or what their customs are, to truly understand and to help them understand where 
me and my people are coming from. And to successfully have that communication, that's victory for the high-level warrior. Or to be in a situation where there's potential conflict, to handle myself with dignity and grace, to be non-reactive, to actually listen and to do whatever I can to not escalate that situation into conflict. That's doing my best in that situation. That's victory. It's about internal discipline. High-level warriors strive for excellence. Thomas More says, Our soul finds great satisfaction any time we do our best. When we do our best, this nourishes our spirits. Whenever we do or make or perform something with quality and excellence, it mirrors our souls. It reflects back to us our genuine worth and inner wholeness. That's why it feels so good. When you do something, when you make something with quality and excellence, it's reminding you of who you really are. It's reminding you that deep within your true self, you are already whole. You are already excellent. There's no better route to high self-respect than a commitment to excellence in everything you do. Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever you put your hand to do, do it with all your might. Do your best. That's what the warrior journey is about. Do your best. Now, when we look at the warrior stories of the Old Testament, there's some tricky navigation going on, isn't there? As people who believe we need to be peacemakers. How do we gain insight from these warrior stories filled with violence and bloodshed and even genocide? I mean, how many of you had the thought, I mean, we should just cut this stuff out of our Bibles? One of the things that we have to remember, and this, this could be a whole ser- sermon series unto itself. I don't have time to get into the nuances of this, obviously. But one of the things that's important to remember is humanity is still evolving. They're still developing psychologically. Remember, humanity starts in a state of innocence in the garden. Then they move, they're kicked out of paradise. Out of the, they begin this orphan journey. And through the biblical narrative, we see them then transition to the wanderer journey with the Tower of Babel where they are scattered to wander the earth, where the Bible focuses on a few stories of individuals, wanderer nomads, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And then by the the end of the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, we see that the, the Hebrew slaves, the group that really represents the story of humanity through the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, we see that they are in captivity in Egypt, they've been enslaved there for many generations. And then they are finally, Moses comes along, leads them to freedom, and then they wander again for 40 years. And then something happens. Moses dies, and then this man named Joshua comes along. And that's really a turning point where the story of humanity is transitioning from the wanderer journey into the warrior journey. And you read Joshua, Judges, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. It's just filled with warrior stories and warrior energy. That's because that, that is not just the story of the Hebrews. That is the story of humanity in their warrior stage. It wasn't just the Hebrews that were in a warrior stage 3,000 years ago. The consciousness of humanity is evolving, expanding, and developing. I think it's a great mistake to look back on history and judge history from our level of consciousness and psychological development today. 
I just don't think that makes sense. I said I wasn't going to preach on this, so I should probably get back to the warrior energy. How can I sum this up? I still think these warrior stories have psychological insights for our own warrior journeys. I'll put it that way. And when we look at the story of Joshua, which I read a little excerpt of it at the beginning of this message. When we look at Joshua chapter 1, I think that there are, if we look at it through a psychological lens, we're doing psychological work within our own inner beings and recognize that this isn't just the story of the Hebrews, this isn't just the story of humanity, this is my story. That warrior energy exists within me. I mean, Jesus points it out in an interesting way. Jesus says, you may not have murdered anyone, but if you have hatred in your heart for someone, it's the same energy. You're still dealing with the same stuff. If you, just because you haven't sexually assaulted someone, Jesus says, if you have lust in your heart, if you objectify another human being sexually, it's the same energy. You're still dealing with the same stuff. Three weeks ago, I talked about Romans 7, where Paul reminds us that even if we are Christians, even if we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the power of evil and sin still resides within our psyche. This is your story. The warrior energy, good and bad, darkness and light, exists within you. You need to take the warrior journey. And some of these warrior stories can actually give us insight into how we can successfully navigate through our own warrior journeys. Well, Joshua chapter 1, what's happening here is that the first half, even more than half of the chapter, God is giving Joshua a pep talk. We all need pep talks from God from time to time. Sometimes it comes through reading scripture, sometimes it comes through a message or reading a book. The best ones are when you're just in silence and God breathes wisdom and insight into your heart and soul and sometimes your mind. We all need pep talks from God from time to time. If you've never had one, just pray. Pray every day for a pep talk from God. You'll never be the same. Well, Joshua is, that was a laugh of knowing. Thank you, Clayton. (laughs) So Joshua is in a very interesting situation. Um, Moses has died. For his whole life, Moses has been the leader. Joshua is in a situation where now he's the leader. And he would respond to that like most of us would. He's nervous and he's afraid. He doesn't know if he can do it. So God gives him this pep talk. And God tells Joshua to remember four things. The first thing, God says, Joshua, remember to focus. Don't let your mind go on all the things that you could do or should do. Focus. Your mission is clear. You have very clear goals. Your mission is this, to lead the Hebrews into the promised land that I have promised you. That's that's your mission. Focus. Stay focused. Second thing, God reminds Joshua that he has a noble cause. Now again, I'm just going to ask you to calm down because I know some of you are thinking, I know what Joshua and the Hebrews go and do, and it's not very noble. True enough, I don't have time to, to address all all of the complications of of that insight and perspective. I won't deny it, but remember the context. Remember the context. In Joshua's context, in Joshua's world, his, his cause is noble. He is leading tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of refugees to find home. 
Here's what I've learned. God always works with us at the level we are at. And it's easy for us to look down on other people, especially people who existed 3,000 years ago from our high horse, and to judge them. God works with us where we are at to help us get to the next stage. And so God meets Joshua where he is at. This is my belief. I'm sure we could have lots of debates about this. But I believe that God meets Joshua where he's at and says, for your time and context, in the warrior stage of humanity, your cause is noble. You're trying to find a home for these tens of thousands of refugees. This isn't about your ego, Joshua. This isn't about your glory. This isn't about you. This is about people without power who need a home. The third thing that God reminds Joshua of is his training. Remember your training. Moses has taught you and instructed you for years. Make sure you meditate on the wisdom and and principles an instruction that Moses has given you. Reflect on it every day and make sure you put it into practice. Apply it. Last week I threw out that quote, we don't rise to the occasion, we fall to the level of our training. And God's saying, Joshua, remember your training. You need to do what Moses taught you to do. That's incredibly important. And the final thing that God reminds Joshua of is faith. You need to know I am with you. But you need to really believe that. I'm in your corner. I will help you, but you need to believe that. You will succeed. The people will follow you and support you, but you need to really believe that. Faith is absolutely critical to the warrior journey. What you believe, what you consciously think, the thoughts that you allow to occupy your minds, it matters. Your body doesn't respond to reality. Your body responds to what your mind tells it reality is. Like when you're walking up the steps at night, alone, in the dark, and your mind suggests there might be something behind you, your body reacts as if that's reality. Oh, you're looking at me like you've never ran up the stairs late at night when you're alone in the dark. You get those tingles, and your body reacts. Our body reacts to what our mind tells it reality is. Your beliefs, it doesn't matter if they are true or not, your beliefs shape your reality. There's a a popular saying, I'm sure you're familiar with it, when you tell yourself you can, you're right. When you tell yourself you can't, you're also right. Well, Tony Robbins, and and I like some of what he says, and some of what he says is, is, well, you sift the wheat from the chaff, whenever anyone speaks, including myself and Tony Robbins, right? But I think he explains this in a very interesting way. He says, beliefs are the filter that turn on or turn off the ability to produce results in our lives. When you tell yourself you can't do something, you're right, because you shut off the part of your brain that can do it. You give yourself an embedded command When you say you can't do it, you program that into your nervous system. When you say you can do it, you open up possibilities. You open up parts of yourself that can do it. And remember that iceberg of your psyche, that 90% of it is below your conscious mind, that there are all 
all manner of aspects of your being that you are not even aware of that might have exactly what you need to be able to do what you think you can't do. And he's saying just by giving these conscious commands that I can do this, sometimes we can open up aspects of our own being that can actually help us accomplish what we didn't think possible. What makes the difference in your quality of life is how you communicate to yourself and to others. It's not what happens to me that dictates my quality of life. It's how I communicate to myself about what happens to me that governs my quality of life. How you interpret reality, how you communicate reality to yourself is actually more influential on your well-being than reality itself. That's worth ruminating on for, for many days, months, and years, I think. God is with you. Most of you know this. God is with me. God is in my corner. God will help me. But to actually embed that as a belief, to actually truly be convinced that that is true in my heart of hearts, to turn that into faith is to turn a statement and charge it with emotional energy. To just leave a statement like, God is with me. Yes, God is with me. That's not going to change your reality and your life. You need to emotionally charge that, infuse it with conviction. And that involves your energy and it involves clenching your abdominal muscles. Believe it! That intensity of emotion charges that and it actually shapes your reality when that statement becomes faith. I guarantee you, if you... Every day, you ruminate, you meditate, you reflect on the fact that God is with you, that God will help you, and you charge that with emotional energy, I guarantee you will experience more of God's presence and more of God's assistance in your life. Guarantee it. This isn't magic, though. God doesn't just say, Joshua, if you believe, then everything's going to work out the way you want it to. I mean, that's not the warrior journey. It's not about getting things the way we want it. It's about finding the strength and courage to face your fears, even if things don't go your way. It's about doing your best, serving a cause that is bigger than you. It's about discovering your dignity, nobility, strength, and courage. Life is a risk. It's always risk. And Joshua knew the risks of going into Canaan. I mean, he was one of the spies that went in there 40 years earlier. He knew the danger, the obstacles. that they, He knew that there's a good chance he would die. But he found the courage to go anyway. I mean, that's what courage is. Franklin D. Roosevelt says, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. I love that. John Wayne puts it this way. Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. The warrior believes I can do this, but even if I fail, even though it may be painful and humiliating, I am strong enough to get through it, and I will learn and become even stronger through my failure. And even if it costs me my life, at least I lived for something noble, for something bigger than myself. My life had meaning and purpose. That's what the warrior journey is about.